In this week's Torah portion, we learn of the Maraglim and their mission to Eretz Yisrael. The story of the Maraglim, the spies, which led to a 40-year delay for our nation before entering the land, brings many questions to the fore. The Rebbe explores some of these questions and the lessons inherent in this event in our history and how to accurately see the true mission of Shlichus, how to align ourselves completely with the Meshaleach, the one who sends us, and thus successfully fulfill one's mission of Shlichus. In the first verses of the Torah portion, God speaks to Moshe and says, Shlach Lucha Anoshim, send out for yourself men, who will scout the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. In the tractate of Saita, the sages comment saying that Reish Lakish teaches this instruction, Shlach Lacha, to mean that Moshe is to send them at his discretion. Determined by Moshe's own understanding, as Rashi explains Reish Lakish's teaching, that Ani, Eni Mitzava Ischa, this mission, says God, is not by my command. It's the people who want this mission to take place. What we need to understand is how, if Moshe, our master, was a true and loyal servant to God, surely his wisdom that translated into the action of sending the Meraglim was a result of his master's will, the will of God himself. In fact, the next verse, Paso Gimel, verse 3, tells us that Vayishlach Isa Moshe Mimidbar Poron al pi Hashem. Moshe did send them from the desert of Poron by God's word, which Rashi most definitively explains to mean with God's permission, which automatically means that sending the spies was a good thing. The Rambam explains this saying that it is quite common that when a land is going to be conquered, spies are sent to determine the best and easiest way to conquer this land. Hence, knowing that we do not rely on the miraculous hand of God, there was a need to prepare for a war, and sending spies was something Moshe was in agreement with. So why does God make this dependent on Moshe's understanding? Why doesn't God himself give this instruction? As well, we need to understand how these men, who Moshe handpicked for this mission, who were, not only as Rashi tells us, when chosen men of distinction, but the men most suited for this particular task, experienced such change from one extreme to another, not only not fulfilling the mission they were sent on, but causing generations of pain and death to the nation, bringing a mourning that lasted for 40 years. To understand this, we must first explore the idea that this mission entailed two parts. One was to gather the information relevant to conquering the land, to see how strong the people living there were and where their weaknesses were, to see how and if their cities were fortified, etc. And two, to gather detailed information about the land itself, about its lusciousness, and its productivity. This second part of their mission was so important that Moshe instructed them to, at all costs, bring back some fruit 
of the fruit of the land, to strengthen themselves in the face of danger, if necessary even, to do so, at the risk of being noticed and called out, and worse even, as spies. So something is really not clear here. While it's true that seeing something isn't quite like hearing about it, so despite God telling the people that the land of Israel is a good land, a land that flows with milk and with honey, and despite the fact that we are believers, sons of believers, and honestly, no faith was necessary here really, because this nation had lived in Egypt just across the desert. They knew what was going on in the land of Israel. So truly seeing the fruits would be incomparable to all of that. Nevertheless, was that really so important, placing the lives of the Miraglam in jeopardy to bring back fruit to see? One of the explanations for this is that though the foundation of fulfilling God's law is the nasa, the action and the doing, the fulfillment of, and then the nishma, we will then listen and seek to understand, the truth is that the doing alone is not sufficient. There must be the aspect and the experience of hearing, in other words, understanding, that inherently follows the action. Entering the land of Israel required the same experience. True, God told the nation what kind of land it was, but he wanted for them to see it, perceive it for themselves. Therefore, Moshe instructed that fruits of the land be brought back, so that the will of the people to go to Eretz Yisrael should be aligned not only with God's instruction to conquer the land, but also with a personal desire to enter into the land of Israel, because she is truly a good land. The first part of their mission also falls under this rubric of making it their own, investigating how to best acquire the land and to see how they could indeed do so. This is in fact why God did not instruct directly for the Miraglim to be sent. Rather, he gave it to Moshe saying, do this at your discretion, because the purpose of the mission was to awaken the nishma for the nation, their personal vested desire to enter the land. So the messenger too had to be chosen according to who would best accomplish this goal. We can now also understand how the Miraglim, who were when chosen men of distinction, fell so badly and failed so badly in this task, returning only to tell the people, we cannot conquer this nation. The purpose, as we said, was the nishma, to take it in and to investigate the nation's entry into the land according to logic, which automatically means that there can be an error in one's thinking and evaluating. Because, in fact, everything they did ultimately say about the land was true. The land of Canaan was filled with giants who were the sons of giants and were physically stronger than the nation of Israel. And their final analysis that we cannot conquer it too, according to the laws of nature, was true all according to their intellect and their logic. So as far as they saw it, they did fulfill the mission they were sent on. Their error was that they came to a determination beyond an assessment and said, we cannot do this. 
Moshe never asked them whether or not the nation of Israel could conquer the land. The mission he sent them on was to assess how to best do so. In fact, this very reality, that Moshe sent them to spy the land and to assess how they could conquer the land of Israel, was proof that they could, even according to nature. Were this to be a miraculous war, there was no need to send spies at all. So adding a decision that the land could not be conquered, we will not be able to do this, wasn't just a matter of adding to the mission they were sent on, it denied the very purpose of their mission. Torah, as we know it, is from the term hora'ah, a lesson. And so understandably, Torah guides us as to how to prevent, for the future, the error of the Meraglim. And that lesson is in the communal name of Torah, the Torah portion, Shlach, send. A Jew must know that the service of Nishma, understanding, using one's own intellect to assess and understand a task, must include and be founded upon the awareness of who sent him on this mission, on this shlichus. That the sender is Moshe, and he's a messenger of Moshe. And not because he wanted to understand the situation, whatever it may be, but because this is God's supernal will. This ensures that both Nasa and Nishma are engaged and assures that one's logic will be truthful, accurate, and pure and arrive at the correct conclusion. So what is the task of the intellect? To ascertain the core truth of a thought. To do that, one must be absolutely divested of one's own inclinations and leanings and completely loyal to that which one wants to understand. The involvement of intellect for the sake of one's own pleasure is likely to become distorted by one's own leanings and inclinations, and a person will ultimately find themselves twisting the subject to suit their preconceived notions, which is an example of bribery. Bribery, says the Torah, blinds the eye of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. You might think, wait, if we're speaking of the wise and the righteous in Torah, they must be truly wise and truly righteous, How did they end up taking bribes? Bribery is thus understood to be not only monetary or the like in nature, it's being swayed by one's own ego-driven leanings and preconceived self-centric thinking. And this is what distorts and blurs one's ability to fully and wholly understand the concept. This was why the Meraglam failed. The complete bittle alignment with Moshe as their Rebbe was lacking, and thus the nishma of their mission was distorted to only assess the way to best conquer this good land that Hashem was giving to us. Without this total alignment, there's the experience of self, and thus seeing the giants in Canaan threw them into a state of terror, and they saw themselves as grasshoppers, small, crushable. Their awareness of self distorted their alignment with their mission, and they failed disastrously. When, however, one remembers and recalls constantly that one is only a messenger on a mission, and as a messenger is like the one who sent him, meaning 
that he has no self separate to the one who sent him and the mission that he is on. And when the one who sent him is Moshe, in other words, he is a direct messenger, a shliach of Moshe, whose entire existence is truth, he remains connected and attached to that truth and to his mishaleach, to Moshe, and does not veer away from this truth, nor for a moment do his thoughts sway from the fact that he is on a mission for Moshe Rabbeinu. And then one is not felled by bribery, and then one can fulfill one's mission to scout the land, a mission that indeed does require real mental acuity and is able to discern that indeed the land God is giving to us is a good land. This carries right through to conquering the land, securing her borders, and then to the fulfillment of God's promise to greatly expand those borders with the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu, our righteous Mashiach, speedily in our days, Mamash.